Stories are the essential building block of empathy and human connection. Since the beginning of humankind, storytelling has been used to connect, engage, inspire, heal and create a brighter future. I am convinced that it's stories that change our world. I've seen hearts change and opinions soften when real people and real stories are heard. Beth received a church prize book called 10 Girls That Changed the World when she was a child and it's this book that has inspired this series. You may know the stories of Christians like Martin Luther King Jr. or Florence Nightingale and or William and Catherine Booth but this series we are hearing the stories that change the world from people you may not have heard of. to episode four we have got to four episodes already and if you have been journeying with us from the beginning thank you for continuing this journey we hope you are learning and you're finding uh, some new things out about some incredible people if this is your first episode hello and welcome my name is beth and i'm john I realise we don't do that and people may not know who we are so we are the pioneer leaders for faversham salvation army and we uh, part of our worship, part of our ministry, part of our mission is to reach um, forms of people through digital ministry and part of that includes you wonderful people that are part of our At The Table family. So thank you for being a part of that family, whether this is the f- Absolutely. first time you listen or whether you have been listening since this series or whether you're an OG from series one. Today's episode is a listener request. Woo-hoo. As we, If you tuned in to last week's episode at the end, we said that Hannah had... Um, Hello, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Thank Assume you. Assume she's listening to this episode. <laughs> It'd be really funny if she's if she not didn't, listening yeah. to this one. Um, Hannah requested that we discuss the person of this episode. So it's been a joy for us to, to learn about her and um, to share this story. So... Mm. John, who are we talking about today? We are talking about a lady called Dame Cicely Saunders. We are. And Dame Cicely's vision and work has transformed the care of the dying and the practice of medicine in the UK and throughout the world. That's a that's a like a, a sentence bio, isn't it? I mean, it? if there's a, a sentence bio for anyone, that's um, pretty up there, wouldn't you say? It's top tier. <laughs> yeah. I hope through this you'll begin to see perhaps why Hannah recommended her and why she, mm. quote, this is a direct quote, she's one of her absolute heroes, um, smiley emoji face. Um, so <laughs> so um, we hope that we can capture and we can get a sense of why for someone is she is a hero. So, mm. so she was born in 1918 and trained as a nurse and a medical social worker and finally became a physician she is the founder of st christopher's hospice um and this was the first hospice linking expert pain and symptom control compassion care teaching and clinical research and st christopher's has been the pioneer in the field of palliative medicine which is now established worldwide fair play again like every (laughs) sentence i feel like we're just going to be like in awe of this incredible woman so this is obviously quite and a remarkable woman and a topic that I don't think is 
discussed much but I think as we get on through this piece I think it will probably reflect personally you know because mm. we have both of us have experiences directly and indirectly of palliative care and mm. um, for family um, and loved mm. ones and so I think um, the influence that this have on is probably going to have touched everyone's lives or mm. will touch everyone's lives at some point obviously it's the thing you you never hope for somebody but mm. if it's ever going to come into your world you would hope that it would be done with the most dignity with the most compassion with the most love grace and peace for that person in leaving this earth yeah absolutely So through her uh, single-minded vision and the clinical practice and the dissemination of her work through St. Christopher's teaching and outreach, Dame Cicely revolutionised the way in which society cares for the ill, the dying and the bereaved. Dame Cicely is recognised as a founder of the modern hospice movement and received many honours and awards for her work. It's crazy to me to think that before this so St Christopher's Hospice was founded in 1967 mm. before this to me it, it astounds me that there wasn't a form of like end of life care yeah I, 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 yeah, it's mad to think you were, like I honestly didn't know it was that late that mm. palliative care was brought in yeah I know because that's, that's in, in a sense like one generation off of us isn't it like that's yeah. not that long ago my mum was alive yeah that's what I mean like it's not it's not that long at all is it no it's just crazy I think as well like and I th- one thing I, I have noticed in reading about her is that it's not just about the end of life. It's about the, you know, the being that's that terminally ill piece, but mm. also the bereaved, those yeah. that are caught in that the pallet- wind of it, the, yeah. of that end of life. Because I think those that are caught in an end of life, because as we both know, mm. death is final for the person, but it's also so death is for the other is for the family death is not just touched by an individual it's it's affected by mm. such a wider group of people both intimate family and wider so yeah. the fact that she that she pioneered this has probably done an incredible amount for people for families and you know i think obviously it's important that end of life care that a person's end of life is as pain-free as possible yeah. but I think it's the people that live on that have to carry that mm. and for for them to know that that person ended peacefully and that first step of grief for you as well is is received well as well yeah so for that to be the most you know for that to be important just as important mm. I think is so is so incredible mm. so Barbara Monroe who's the chief executive of St Christopher's Hospice uh, said this at the service of Thanksgiving for the life of Dame Cicely in 2006. Um, and I think it's just absolutely beautiful. We have been caring for Dame Cicely at St. Christopher's Hospice as a patient for some time. And I think that that's weirdly beautiful as well. Yeah. That even at the end of her life, she received the the care that she started. Um, so, yeah, I just, I, yeah, I just thought that was beautiful to start off with. Um mm. And so, yeah, so she said, we had been caring for Dame Cicely at St. Christopher's Hospice um, as a patient for some time. We will miss her very much. Her influence will carry on around the world as we work together in hospice and palliative care to support dying people and, and those close to them. It is a privilege to share in Dame Cicely's vision 
and her work here at St Christopher's. We are dedicated to improving care for dying people everywhere. And obviously a huge part of this series is that the work that people, the incredible work, whether it be pioneering or revolutionary, for justice, for reform, Mm -hmm. for women's rights, for um, injustice in oppressive systems, all of this has been underpinned by a person's Christian faith. Yeah. Dame Cicely's strong Christian faith was a fundamental factor in her commitment to the dying and remained an anchor throughout her life. So I wanted to research into a little bit about her Christian faith and she didn't grow up a Christian um, and in 1945 she went on holiday with some Christian friends. Um, This biography talks about how although she grew up an atheist, her own life had led her to become seeking Mm. um, and she'd started reading C.S. Lewis um, in the company of these friends and it was on this holiday that she came to accept that she should come to God, quote, "just um, just as I am. She later said that God turned me around and it was all right. It was for all the world like suddenly finding the wind on your back instead of battling against it all the time. Mm. This was the experience which led Cecily to ask God to show her the purpose for her life. I mean, <laughs> this woman is just phenomenal. Like mm. that that phrase, God turned me around and it was all right. Like I've got goosebumps reading that. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I think sometimes and I think I've briefly spoken about this in another episode, or maybe I haven't, I've just imagined it, or maybe you cut it out. But um, I I know I speak about it in terms of my testimony for getting to where I am today in this job, in that life is, I think sometimes a lot of people assume, both Christians and non-Christians, assume that when you make these big decisions that you you feel come from God, they're like in these big dramatic, uh aha, like Paul receiving a ladder, Mm. vision of light, things Mm. and in my experience to this day those big moments and decisions have never been that they have been like like she describes of almost god turned me and it was all right i describe it like god turned the page yeah of the chapter and or just even the page in my Mm. book and it was like i no longer needed to be in that chapter or and it wasn't this big dramatic moment it was just really beautiful and just seamless like things just fell into place and i and i see that there it sounds small when I say it like this, but it's not. It's like that simple. It's a simple faith, but it's like a really beautiful simple faith. Like, just as I am, come to God just as I am, and then that God turned me around and it was all right. Like that, that just is so authentically beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Of how kind of simple that faith is. But God turned me around and it was all right. It was for all the world like suddenly finding the wind at your back instead of battling against it all the time from the front like so you're not walking into it like you're just allowing god to move with you through those those situations and Mm -hmm. just it's not gonna it's not affecting your path like that's just so beautiful yeah i guess for someone who you know has if someone's got a conviction of something in their life and then you know they're perhaps battling against to find what god's called them to do if when you have that encounter with God and you feel like all of a sudden you're like, and it's Mm. the way she's described it presents is such a beautiful imagery. Like I can literally see that image. I can beautifully see this image of like God just swooping this person around and no longer, you know, this person has been fighting in the wind and we see Mm. all those funny 
videos online of people in like, hurricanes or high windstorms battling against the wind. Yeah. And then almost God turns around. God like swoops you around and you're no longer battling. You're just, you're being taken with God. Mm. That is sailing in it almost. kind of. Yeah, thing. that's a beautiful imagery because also it speaks to the reliance on God. Mm. You know, no, it's not saying I just asked God to, I just accepted God in my life and knew that I was going to be okay. It was yeah, like lived happily that, com- ever after. that complete like soar on wings like eagles, like allowing God to just soar, mm. you know, you to where you need to be. Yeah, I love that. So as with most things in life, God doesn't always reveal these things to us straight away. And the biography that we're reading talks describes how that answer to what her purpose was in life didn't come until two years later when she met a Polish Jew called David Tasma. Um, And so he had escaped from the Warsaw Ghetto and was working in London. He had no family due to um, losing them in the Holocaust. And Cecily became his friend and they developed an incredible friendship. During his end of life, he was in incredible physical pain and this was being poorly controlled by the medicine around him and it was probably this ex- it was sorry it, it was this experience that prompted Cecily to recognize the call the pain and the loneliness that he was experiencing called her to believe that there was something more to this the biography is really specific about this time so I'm going to read this directly it says on the 24th of June 1959 Cecily was reading Daily Light a collection of bible texts on that day it read Commit thy way unto the Lord, and he shall bring it to pass. She knew in this moment with complete certainty that this was the time to do something practical about the vision that had motivated her for 11 years. Mm. Gathering a group of people who advised her, raised funds and prayed. In 1961, she launched the charity and started looking for a site. Um, And so was born St. Christopher's Hospice. And during these years, she developed, as John read earlier, this this specific care for end of life so making Mm. sure i think the key there are three kind of key things making sure that they were comfortable during end of life so the palliative Mm. care with medicine then you know making that space sacred making that space safe for that person to die in not just in a general ward and then finally supporting you know the people around that person the bereaved in that time absolutely and there is something so innately christian and i know we're all we're kind of biased in that because we are christian but that that just that deep compassion Mm. that like jesus wept like that moment of longing of this is injustice nobody should end their life on this earth this way and you know there's countless bible verses that i can think about and immediately drawn to like revelation i think it's revelation 21 where it talks about there'll be no more like he'll wipe away the tears of the eyes there'll be no more dying or mourning or crying or pain Mm. um obviously that's talking about the resurrection but those things come into mind and then even just things like i think it's is it matthew where they talk about blessed are those who mourn for they'll be comforted yeah Um, yeah you've got that Mm. and even like your Old Testament, like your Psalm 23 or your Isaiah 41, you know, about the shepherd and comfort and fear not for I am with you. Mm. I, I know I have just mixed the two together, um, <laughs> but I'm like... It's a paraphrase. I'm, summar- I'm summarising I'm summarizing mm. for the sake of this, but scripture is filled with notes of comfort for end of life, for mm. comfort for those places. 
Yeah. And it's like the the Good Samaritan, isn't it? That the Good Samaritan saw that person on the roadside, beaten and bruised, left for dead, and had the the compassion to go, I'm not going to leave this person here. Even though there were so many people that walked past, that one person stopped and then gave them money, gave them the cloak, uh, the tunic off their back kind of thing, mm. put them into a basically a motel <laughs> so that they could get better, said, you know, whatever the price. But like even with her friend David, you know, with everything that he went through, that those horrific stuff that he went through and his family went through, you know, having a friend like that that was able to kind of provide that in his moment of like horrible loneliness and yeah, those last few moments, like... It's just, yeah. And it challenges us, I think, to think about, you know, what is our, obviously not all of us are going to pioneer in terms of form of medicine. Mm. Um, not all of us have the intellect to do that. But that thing of asking God, what, you know, what do you have? What's my purpose in life? Mm. You know, there are people that, you know, probably have a conviction and purpose for environmentalism or to care for refugees or to work with young people or to be advocates for mental health or there are people that are passionate about teaching and education, or there are people that are passionate about providing a safe home for people and mm. housing reform. You know, there are a plethora of things that we're called to, but I think that complete surrender to saying, God, what is your purpose on my life? Mm. I mean, and this woman took it, like, <laughs> she didn't just, you know, just do it in her individual job. Mm. She took it and ensured that palliative care was was worldwide. She revolutionised and changed the course of history. Mm in ensuring that we didn't that nobody gets to a point of end of life before they're going to leave this earth yeah. in pain and the family are going to be comforted in that and i think that's the other side of it for me like as someone so i lost my dad uh to leukemia in 21 in 2021 um and it was very sudden uh he was only in hospital for what a month less than that less than that um and it was all very sudden at the end. Like the, the last week is a, this is a massive blur for me. Um, mm. and I know it is a massive blur for a lot of us, but I, I do remember those kind of that the conversations with the palliative care nurses on yeah. that last day. Mm. Um, you know the way that they they looked after him first and foremost. Uh, the way that they they knew what he needed. They could tell when he was in discomfort and mm. when he was struggling at points. But then also to just sit... Like, I mean, there was this moment where um, we just sat for... Oh, it felt like two minutes, but I can imagine it was probably a 20, 30 minutes. Mm. Probably even more than that. Just allowing us to have that space. Mm. Um, and this was still within those kind of COVID remits. So we had to be out quite quick, didn't we, at one point. But there was they still allowed us the space and they mm. knew exactly what we needed. So, you know, they, they put your, their arm around us and they kind of helped us with some of the, the initial stuff that you have to do, mm. you know. And that kind of stuff goes, I think it goes to the wayside when you lose someone because obviously your focus is on that person, but you you're so thankful to those those nurses that give you give you that time and space in those moments and i think that's um definitely something that yeah i will i'm just so thankful for when you when you're grieving mm. you just remember those you know they don't know you from adam yeah <laughs> they yeah they they grieve with you in that moment and that's what 
I think sticks out to me hugely from that from that time and that moment and that that moment of losing an individual is is felt differently and remembered differently I'm sure for everybody but mm. for this care, palliative care nurse she had never met us up until that day no. but her calmness the peace in her voice mm. her explanation to us of what was going to happen her honesty she didn't mm. you know in having to be very real with us but yet there was never a harshness or a like it never felt clinical it never felt yeah, it didn't feel like just ticking a box. Box, kind of thing. yeah. And the way she extended herself to us, it it felt almost like another family member in the room, you know, grieving with us. Yeah. And I remember coming home, and obviously there was all the the the, the chaos of the loss and and that. But in the the days after, I remember thinking a lot about this woman, and I can I will probably picture her for the rest of my life because. It made me think about how she has to do that mm. daily. Yeah, it's daily. She's just, just not. It's not just for us, is it? Like, no, she steps into that world of grief mm. on a constant basis. But I guess for her, that's part of her purpose and calling to support people in that time mm. and offer herself in whatever way of shape or form that is. Whether it's practically giving you know the practicalities of what's going to happen whether it's mm. offering advice whether it's an arm like I remember at one point she put her arm around me I think because I would I was crying but I think it speaks a testament to the system and pioneered by uh, Cecily in that I didn't feel like oh get out you're not family you don't mm. deserve to be in on this moment it felt like this hallowed ground that this this person was offering themselves to us at this time yeah. to say I'm going to be here to talk and she spoke, she didn't like interfere in things. No. She she comforted us. She said that was beautiful. I remember one moment, I think there was a prayer that had gone around and she and some words had been spoken and she she just said that, you know, that's really beautiful. That's a testament to who you are. Mm. I know she looked after your brother a lot yeah. in those moments when he left. I I know for other people who have lost people, the, the palliative care and the hospice system was... You know they're indebted to them for the way they looked after people yeah, at the end absolutely. of life, and I think it's beautiful that we mm. get that we have that that mm. we there's dignity in dying. Yeah, that we don't say that just because your moments are far from few, your value is no longer here, mm. and that value I think speaks to the Christian love that because we know that that doesn't end here, that that it doesn't end in that moment, no. and I think I I would I'm, I am assuming here. But I'm assuming that, that that's where that compassion for her comes from. Mm. You know, for her, she believes that life doesn't end in that moment. That her, their earthly body is no longer here. But they're now, hopefully, with, you know, mm. in, a, in eternal life. And so that, it, that that moment should be given the same amount of dignity as to when you enter the world or as mm. to when you're, you know, the middle of your life. But even post that moment, like not just for my dad but but like like we we went to a funeral recently didn't we of an an older gentleman who'd been in a in a care home um end of life care and they came to his funeral mm. because he meant something to them mm. and yeah like you say they it's not just a surface level oh this is my job i get paid to do it it's it's a genuine almost well it's a genuine it's a ministry it, it's a ministry it's a calling on their lives mm. and i think that that's a, a really beautiful thing like you know, I think for some time, you know, sometimes we look at look at it and we think, oh, it's, they're just doing their job. But actually, I think there's so much more to it than that. 
because um, I, I I don't think you would do it if it was just a job. I, I wouldn't be able to. I wouldn't be able to grieve with people that you know for that amount of time and for different cases. I mean, it, like you say as well, we all grieve differently. So you know, some of the situations she must have seen must have been horrible, and to deal with that must be really hard. But yeah, what? I, yeah, Dame Sicily is just amazing to to be the pioneer of something like that. Mm. But then also the medicine point of view, like I think that that goes under the radar for me. Certainly with my dad, like in those moments of discomfort, like even just looking at the morphine point of view, mm. like that that she did, and she was a pioneer at that uh, that part of medicine, and so that was really vital for my dad in his last moments yeah. because of the pain he was in. So I think that really sort of being a champion for that I don't know if that's the right word but like you know really kind of pioneering that pioneering, work making yeah. sure that that research took yeah, place yeah and that that's that's definitely something that is going to be carried on into future years when she'd passed you know and I think that's really important um, and to know and for and for people in the process of grieving to know that that pain was relieved is a comfort isn't it it's a comfort yeah. to you to know that he was relieved and I know it was a comfort at that time that there wasn't that person mm. wasn't in pain and suffering because that's all we want from people you know of for our loved ones we don't want them to be in pain no. and the fact that she extended that beyond to just people she didn't know she wanted to ensure that anybody at that point was wouldn't would be pain free yeah and that amount of love and compassion for the world is just it's phenomenal and it's mm. a, she is a true gift um to this world and um truly thankful that we have read the opportunity and read um a, a piece about her mm. and i'm just so thankful as well for those that are continuing this like you know it's not just dame sicily there's hundreds of thousands of people around the millions of people around the world that that do this really vital work you know those that are in training to be nurses and all of that but also those that work tirelessly around the world to provide this care for people as someone that's experienced that on a, on a really close hand but also I'm, there's so many people that have just thank you because we value you for who you are and we thank you that you you give your life in that way and that you are called that way um it's just yeah it's just a really beautiful like we say a ministry um mm. you may not believe in jesus but um it's a kingdom value it's a value of, of heaven that you do this work and we're, we're so thankful certainly in our country for the NHS you know for the work that they do and all the hospices as well and those those charities that give of themselves in this way couldn't say anything better myself well I think that's a, a beautiful place to leave it in admiration in mm. and in prayerful thanks and gratitude for people that never want to settle and give an extend of themselves beyond anything it, it is that true sacrificial love and yeah. the love that we only know comes from that deep-rooted belief in jesus christ mm. whether they acknowledge it or not mm. um and thank you to hannah for sharing yeah, uh, thanks, this recommendation and can as see always she's a hero <laughs> yeah she's praying for you and, and we're praying for you in your journey in that field and know that yeah we're inspired by you daily and thank you for sharing your inspiration mm. and if you have somebody that you are inspired by and want us to know about because not many people do please share with us on facebook or instagram or 
however you normally connect with us or leave a review and write it um we don't mind but thank you once again for joining with us we hope you have a beautiful blessed week yeah we shall see you for another episode next time about the table bye see you later